Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into His Word. Let's jump right into today's message. We're going to get to the message this morning. For those of you that are watching or maybe you're listening on our new podcast, we count it a privilege to have you. You're a part of this family. Hope Covenant, can we welcome our online viewers and listeners? Listen, if you're ever in the Charlotte area, I would encourage you to stop by and we'll make you feel right at home. Let's pray and let's welcome the Lord this morning. And I I want you to know that if you're here this morning, you're here on purpose. I believe there's no accidents. I believe you came here on purpose for a purpose. And I believe we're going to encounter God through his word. Do you believe that? Cool. Father, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence this morning. Father, we just take a deep breath and I ask for your peace over every person that's here. That, Father, as we open our hearts and as we open our ears, that you would speak to us. And that this would not just be words on a page as we look to your scripture. But, Father, that we thank you that your word is living and active. And, Father, that when we apply it, there's change in our life that makes us ever successful. And so we thank you for that. If you believe that, we just shout amen. We are on part five of the value system of Jesus. I named this the value system of Jesus because the Beatitudes, one of the most popular messages that Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's full, of, it's chock full of values, and I believe there's nine of them that we're going to focus on. We're on part five today, and uh, part five is very simply, blessed are the merciful. Now, I want to warn you before we go into this, just like I have with all of the, of the past ones that we've done, that this is a countercultural series, meaning culture is going one way, but this is the opposite of the way that the culture is going. To show mercy and to show compassion and to show forgiveness and to release that, and we're going to go over this. I have to tell you that as I was preparing this message and as I was looking through it this week, I was convicted to a point where I was in tears several times just reading the character of Jesus and what he says that if we apply to our life will make us successful. And I've said it several times and I want to say it again this morning that the thing about the nine Beatitudes that we're going over is it's not like you go to Chick-fil-A and you say, okay, I'll take number one, number three, number five, and number eight. No, this is, you take them all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All of these, it's, it's come one, come all. You can't pick and choose. This is not Twitter where you just skip over the quotes you don't like, right? That's not how we follow Jesus. It's a little different than Twitter. But I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 5, 7. And I want to just say this, that I believe that this will change you and this will free you. I believe this morning on my way here, Liz, um, Liz this morning, she left something at home and I had to go pick it up. And it was actually worked out good because I got time to hear from the Lord in the car when I did that. And, and he's told me that there's some of you that are going to be set free and there's going to be things that are going to be broken off of your life if you would apply this beatitude. So I want to encourage you with this to not just give this a little bit of your ear, but go all in this morning. Are you with me? So Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, and check this out, for they will be shown mercy. Now I have lots of Jewish friends 
One of the things about Jewish culture that's really funny, and it's funny even today, especially if you know any New York Jewish people, you will know this is hilarious. There's, there's, they like to make deals. You see here that Jesus is making a deal. Blessed are the merciful because then they will be shown mercy. See, there's a clause. That's a clause. When you show mercy, you'll receive it. You with me? So the word blessed, and we went over this in the beginning, and I, I want to review this again. The Greek word for blessed is makarius, and really it means happy, but it, it's really going beyond just happiness, which is based on happenings. In other words, you know, if I, if I, I, I have a good day, I'm happy. If I have a bad day, maybe I'm not happy. But this goes beyond that. Makarius is really pointing to joy, which is non-circumstantial. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. How many of you know when times are good, God's good. When times are bad, God's good. good. Amen. Awesome. So Makarius, which translates to joy, this is what happens when we apply mercy towards others. You end up in turn experiencing the joy of the Lord. This is the same with every one of these beatitudes. But you will experience massive joy because you're experiencing freedom when you lose mercy or forgiveness on someone. And I'm going to go over some examples. But the definition, the Webster's definition for the word mercy, and I love this definition. It's deep. And I'll be honest with you, I wept the minute I read it. It means, mercy means, the definition of Webster's for, for mercy, compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. Now, I love the word forbearance. The word forbearance, I did a, a word research on this word because I was like, that's really deep. What is forbearance? Forbearance means to decide to put up with and give it a pass. Okay, even when someone doesn't deserve it, you decide forbearance. You're going to tolerate this, and you're going to you're going to you're going to put up with it. You're going to give it a pass. Just next, let that that never happened. Can I tell you? There's tremendous freedom when somebody offends you, and you apply forbearance, and it never happened. And I want to encourage you because I believe there's many of you that have come that you're bound personally by somebody that's, how many of you have ever had someone, an offender, that's wronged you in your life and it's like, man, it's hard to let it go. You know, and then Disney comes along, it's like, let it go, let it go. Y'all know that was coming. But it really, it, it's amazing how freeing it is when we apply this forbearance to just give it a pass. You know, mercy is, and I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, it's not giving someone what they deserve. In other words, if I were to commit a crime, let's say I was pulled over for a speeding ticket, and an officer shows me mercy, he lets me go, he, he's giving me what I don't deserve. I deserve a speeding ticket because I was speeding. But he's letting me go. He's giving it a pass. He's, a, he's forbearance. How many of you would like every officer to apply forbearance? <laughs> Today's culture, and this is why this is so countercultural, we don't live in a merciful culture. We live in a cancel culture that, God forbid, you even rub somebody the wrong way, you're canceled. 
That's why this is so countercultural and so pivotal and so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's tremendous in its importance that we apply this value in today's culture. I was, I was saying since the beginning, if you've missed part one, two, three, and four, that this, this whole thing that's going on right now in the world and the darkness that we're experiencing, if we would apply these beatitudes, it would change everything. Which is why this was such an important message that Jesus spoke. Today's culture is not, it's not merciful. We cancel people just because we disagree. You can see how countercultural applying mercy would be. I, I, I have this quote that we've become great judges of others' sin, but great lawyers of our own. I'm going to say that again because that was good. We've become great judges of other people's sin, but great lawyers of our own. In other words, the Bible says to take the log out of our own eye and not the splinter of somebody else's. I wonder how many times I'm speaking to each individual, and I got to tell you, I'm speaking to myself. I'm, I'm preaching this to you, and I'm delivering a message, but I got to tell you, if I don't live it, I'm nothing but a, an orator. And I don't want to just be an orator. I want to be a person that literally delivers you the anointing of something that I've applied to my own life. I work really hard at that, which is why I weep over these messages and I baptize them in prayer because I want there to be power that you would be changed in this. I want to say this. Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, how many of you have ever heard a Boudreaux joke? This is a, a, a Cajun guy, Boudreaux. I'm going to tell you a Boudreaux joke. A Boudreaux, he's a Cajun guy, Louisiana. And uh, Boudreaux, he, was, uh, he went to a drugstore that served coffee every day, every morning. It was kind of like Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And there was a bunch of guys that were hanging out. And I told this story years ago to our, our launch team, but it's, I, many of you weren't here for that. So I'm going to share it again because I love this. And it really demonstrates a principle that, that applies to this. Uh, Boudreaux, would, he would go in and he'd get coffee every day. And there was a guy named Bob. And Bob was a little rough. He was also Cajun. And he slapped him on the chest. He goes, up, Boudreaux! And Boudreaux hated being slapped on the chest. He had, like, personal space issues. I can relate to that. And, uh, and so Bob, every day, would come in, and he'd have a cup of coffee in his hand and, like, spill a little bit. And so one day, Boudreaux goes in there, and uh, he's got a little bump on his chest, and he walks in, and the guy across from the counter in the drugstore who served this coffee, his name was Tom, he says, and Boudreaux, what's this? He goes, oh, I, I, this little bump, I, I slapped some dynamites to my chest. So the next time Bob comes in and slaps me, I'm going to blow his hand off. Now, and we can, we can understand that Boudreaux is basically blowing himself up. Guys, that's what happens when we harbor unforgiveness to other people. You're blowing yourself up. You're meaning to blow his hand off, but in turn, it's, I, I, I wrote this down, and I love this quote. When we don't show mercy, we're really hurting ourselves. We, when, we sh when, when we show mercy, we set ourselves up to receive it. Showing mercy is directly linked to forgiveness. When we forgive, we are releasing the toxic potential for unforgiveness, which hurts us. And then here's the quote. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that your opponent dies. So I want to say that not showing mercy or compassion to someone else is like drinking poison and hoping that they would die. They, they have medically linked, and I'm not saying, so please don't hear this, that all cancer is linked to unforgiveness, because that's not true. But they've linked that unforgiveness literally is a, it breaks down your immune system and can cause all kinds of sickness in your body. Some of the angriest people that I've met 
are people who haven't released. They haven't shown mercy. And it's, it's, it's so toxic. I, I encourage you for your health's sake to let it go. We've got to let this go. I want to give you two ways to be a merciful person. And one is we need to remind ourselves how merciful that God is to us. Matthew 6 verse 12 you probably know this is the Lord's Prayer, and you've heard this before, but I want to hone in on this one, Matthew 6, 12, this one verse. And forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. Meaning a debtor, somebody that owes you something. Maybe somebody offended you. Maybe there's a reason for you to really be upset about it legitimately in the natural. But we're looking past that, and now we're getting out of our natural strength and into the supernatural, and we release them, giving them what they don't deserve. You know, I want to say this. If you have a passion for justice, Liz has a passion for justice. She hates injustice. She hates, I'll tell you what, if you want to be on Liz's bad side, just cross me. She will go all kinds of eight degree black belt on you. That's how Liz is. But Liz and I, we've had conversations because she so hates injustice that sometimes I'm like, babe, you got to be careful. And listen, it's, it's not just you, babe. It's me too. We got to be careful that we're not placing injustice and, and justice where we want, we want somebody, when I say injustice and justice, somebody unjustly does something towards you and you so want to apply justice that you forget about the principle of mercy and you end up hanging on to something that makes you bitter on the inside. Because a lot of us are like that, where we hate injustice. It makes us angry. It makes us upset. But what about forbearance? This is hard. Listen, this is easy to teach, but it's hard to live. As I'm, I was going through this, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Help me communicate this from a place of living this. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. We need to understand that Jesus went to the cross and died to release us of the debt that we owe. And when we accept him, we're released of this. But listen, you can't earn God's forgiveness. This is one of the big mistakes we make, is we think that we can somehow do all of these things to make God forgive us. It's already done. It was done at the cross. It was done at the cross. You cannot earn God's forgiveness. But listen, if you think you can earn his forgiveness, you'll make others earn yours. And I'm going to go over some really interesting facts, and this kind of ends with a little bit of a twist because I went over some research about the most difficult people to forgive, and when I tell you who that is, you're going to be shocked. If God has been so good and so merciful to us, we really need to show the same mercy towards others if we truly want to be like Christ. If we want to be like Jesus. We know Jesus was perfect. Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 5. But God's mercy is so abundant. Man, it's so abundant. Meaning, when something's abundant, when you have abundance, there's no lack. That's for sure. His mercy is so not lacking. And his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, by the way, that's every one of us. I'm talking about me here. I do not deserve this. While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that each one of us have been saved. Man, I'm so thankful for God's grace. Somebody says, are you a hyper-gracer? I'm a hyper all of the fruits of the Spirit. I'm hyper all of it. I want you to know that 
The forgiven forgive. When you understand that God has released you, it's easy to release others. When you look at the pain of what Jesus dealt with on the cross with the crown of thorns, man, it becomes easier. The second thing is, remember, we will all face God one day. As a pastor, I'm trying to prepare you for the final exam. Don't say, I didn't prepare you to see God one day and account for how we treated others and whether we released them of things that they've done to us or not. I was weeping the other day. In fact, I was talking to a, a really good friend of mine, one of my best friends, and sharing with this person that I'm still holding on to things that absolutely grieve me when I think about the fact that I'm still holding on to them, but I'm trying to release them. I want to say this. When you're trying to release someone of something they've done to you, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process of getting close to Jesus to understand what he did for you that you end up broken that go, I don't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. I will never deserve this. But by his grace, he gave it to me as a free gift. I'm so grateful for that. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 14 to 15. For if I forgive other people when they sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, see, here's the clause. If you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Guys, that, forgive your sins. That's really, really deep. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So forgiveness is not an option. It's not an option. It's a must. In Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus, how often should we forgive? And Jesus says 70 times 7. So I did the math on this. And if anybody wants to check me, you can fact check me if you want. But the math is in a 24-hour day, you'd be forgiving somebody by 70 times 7. You'd be forgiving somebody every three minutes in a 24-hour day. Every three minutes. You go, well, I need every two minutes. <laughs> No, seriously, that's, 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 that's simple. it's math, and it, it, I just want to point that out. That's a lot of forgiveness. Jesus tells a parable about a king who forgave someone a debt, and I'm, going to just, I'm not going to speak this in, in King James. I'm going to give you modern-day numbers so you can understand the math of all this. I'm doing a lot of math. Ironically, I was not great at math in school, but I promise you I fact-checked my math, and it's legit. You can fact-check me on this if you want. But Jesus, he told this parable, it's this story, about a king who forgave someone of a debt that was the equivalent of $5 billion. That's a lot of money. That's, om that's pretty much an unforgivable debt for most people. But this king forgave him of this $5 billion debt. The king just canceled the debt for this guy. And that same guy went to someone who owed him just $10,000 and demanded that they pay up. Think about that. You were just forgiven a $5 billion debt, and you're demanding $10,000. Oops. Well, the king gets so upset about this in this parable that Jesus is talking about that he has them thrown into prison where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what's interesting about this parable, and I never thought about it. Liz and I were talking about it just yesterday. The interesting thing about this parable is I believe that what Jesus was trying to say is that God does not like it when we don't forgive others when he forgave us. There's, there's more said in that parable than what we give credit towards. It's not just some imaginary story. He's giving a principle. God hates when we do not forgive. He hates when we don't release because, listen, this is a sacrifice. He said, imagine you have one son. 
your one and only son, and you allow that son to die for everybody else, and that everybody else ends up hating your son. You go, what? Wait, what? Think about it. The point of this entire parable is Jesus is trying to communicate that un our unforgiveness is not pleasing. He, tr he dislikes when we don't forgive and release. Then Jesus says this in Matthew 18, verse 33. Guys, red letters is the words of Jesus. Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? It couldn't get any more plain and simple. Uh, James takes it to a whole nother, nother level. In James 2.13, he says, So you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. Man, that scares me right there. It scares me. If you've ever offended, I just want you to know I forgive all y'all. <laughs> and maybe you need to forgive me. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Can I read that again? Because it's really profound. So you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. In other words, you don't have to be afraid about what's going to happen when you show forgiveness and when you show mercy, when you show compassion, when you show forbearance, when you let it go and give it a pass. You know, I'm, I'm 39 years old, so that's not that old. But it's old enough that I've been through some things in life, enough to know that what I have learned is that holding on to things is not worth it. It only hurts you. Let's just make it our goal that when we stand before God, we would have loved too much instead of having judged too harshly. Wow. Wow. But this beatitude is really saying in Matthew 5, 7 is that we are called to be a minister. We are called to the ministry of mercy or to be ministers of mercy. You know, when I think about things that I'm, I'm very opinionated. In fact, I, I was talking to my dad about this last night that there was somebody that we know that's really opinionated. And he looks at me, he goes, aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, if he only knew what I'm speaking on tomorrow. It was a good call, dad. Thanks. Love you too. Word. I owe you one. We're called to the ministry of mercy. Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Do you know there's a direct tie to humility and releasing somebody else? Because you're not placing yourself too high up there that you think you're better than that person that you're releasing. Think about that. You're demonstrating humility when you demonstrate forbearance, mercy, compassion towards somebody else. But a spirit of pride will keep you from forgiveness. So you better check yourself before you wreck yourself because that's the same spirit that will keep Satan out of heaven. And what Scripture's saying here is, listen, you want to stand before God on the judgment day without fear? Show mercy, compassion, release it, let it go. By the way, Jesus forgives and he forgets. Never happened. Amy Simple McPherson was once accused of, of some things in her life and she looked at the person and goes, I don't know what you're talking about. It never happened. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. Is anybody grateful for that? Can we give God a shout of praise this morning that we are washed? Is this convicting anybody else this morning like it did me? Like it's doing me? Paul said this to the Corinthian church regarding mercy. Man, I need to hear this. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 19. Guys, I'm holding back tears, so forgive me. 
So from now on, this is verse 16, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regard Christ in the same way, we do so no longer. What he's saying there is like, so we could see people as Republican or Democrat, or we could see people as vaccinated or unvaccinated, but we need to see people like Jesus does. See, you wouldn't have probably gotten that right by reading that verse immediately, but I really studied that. What it's saying is we see people through the eyes of Jesus, not through our own opinions. Like my dad was saying to me, aren't you opinionated? It was a good call. It brought me conviction last night. He didn't know about it. I went home and laid in bed and thought about it till four in the morning, and I went, oh, snap. It was a good call. I'm grateful for that. Listen, if everybody rubs you the right way, you're not hanging out with the right company. Just want you to know that. I'll mic drop. Y'all can go home now. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, that's a, hold on to that word reconciled, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Say this. Say ministry, ministry. of reconciliation. Reconciliation. All that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. I'm going to go nerdy on you for a minute and talk to you about to reconcile means to bring the difference or balance to zero. My dad, when we were, when I was in high school, he taught my economics class and he, he taught me the principles of like balancing a checkbook, that thing that we don't do anymore in our generation and that's why we have so many financial issues. But he would teach me about your bank statement versus what your checkbook says and that you want to always make sure that it's just a zero, that there's no difference. Otherwise, you get yourself in financial trouble by overspending, Right? So what Jesus did was he took the balance and he brought it to a zero, the difference of our sin, and he zeroed it out and said, that's canceled. That's the kind of cancel culture I want. He cancel cultured our sin. Thank you, Jesus. I, listen, I'll go with that cancel culture. You can cancel culture my sin all day long. <laughs> to be merciful doesn't mean that you hold that you don't hold the truth about sin. Listen, this, this is going to preach to somebody today. Because when we look at sin, a lot of times we look at mercy and go, but that, is that condoning their sin? No. You are not heaven's high sheriff is what that means. See, let the Holy Ghost do the work and you just wholly love that person. Yeah, let's let, the, let's let the Lord be heaven's high sheriff. Let's let the King of kings and the Lord of lords do the work. And I, I struggle. Yeah, he will. It's coming. Don't worry. It's coming. There, the day is coming. What you reap is what you sow. There are those principles in the word. But see, I don't have to deal with it. I'm going to let God deal with it. That's why I spend 90% of my time now just praying for the person. And check this out. We're going to go a little deeper. C.S. Lewis said this. This is a good quote. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. But God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Jesus had a disciple. It was someone that was on his team. You have to understand the disciples were Jesus' team. And he was a tax collector. By the way, the tax collectors in that day, they were known as money thieves. 
And Matthew got a revelation. Matthew was a tax collector. He got a revelation and said this about Jesus in Matthew 12, verse 17 to 20. This fulfilled the, prof- the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. Check this out and I'm going to go a little deep with this. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. Now, a reed grows out of the water. If you know anything about reeds, they grow out of the water. And honestly, you could just touch a reed. You could just touch it, and it'll bruise. They're very, very sensitive. So when you're canoeing, I've, I've actually canoed before and, and touched a reed and watched what happens, and it immediately bruises. He's saying, even the weakest of reeds I will not bruise. Guys, that, the church is so messed up when you think about it and how we deal with sinners and how Jesus deals with them. Because he won't bruise even the weakest of reeds, but we go postal when somebody messes up. Why is that? Is it possible that the skeletons in our closet are what we're trying to hide when we accuse other people and don't show mercy and compassion and release them? See, I've learned that the people who accuse and the people who love to publicly humiliate the most have the most sin in their lives. I've learned that. And it's been a painful process of me learning that, but I've learned that. Love covers. Love covers. Jesus helped the weakest of the weak. And people will criticize. Listen, the church will even criticize us for helping out and hanging out with sinners and restoring them. But that's what Jesus did. They Listen, they mocked and accused Jesus of hanging out with the lowest and the dirtiest of the dirty. But Jesus didn't care. He was of no reputation. Can I ask you a question? Are you more concerned about your reputation than ministering to someone who's lost? Are you more concerned about that? That'll preach right there. In a judging world, we need to focus on the fact that James 2.13, it says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We are called to show mercy to those who let us down, those who have wronged us. The first words out of Jesus' mouth, he's hanging on the cross. What are the first words out of his mouth with a a crown of thorns in his head? He was whipped. He was bruised for our sin. And the first words out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Could we live life like that? When somebody accuses us or wrongs us, Father, just forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know. That's compassion. Jesus was denied He was betrayed, he was accused, he was rejected, he was abused, he was humiliated, yet he still showed mercy. Think about that. If you're denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused, humiliated, you got to still show mercy. It's not an option. The Bible actually has the audacity to to ask us to do the same thing right here in Colossians 3, verse 12 to 13. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. In other words, put it on. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Compassion, guys, is not a feeling. It's a choice. Forgiveness, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like being compassionate. It's not a feeling. It's a decision that I'm going to let it go. 
You go, when am I going to feel it? When you decide to do it. Do it by faith if you need to. It's believing in things you don't see. Let it go and the feeling, let it catch up. But the problem is, as a generation, we're so led by feelings. Well, I don't feel like forgiving them. The Bible doesn't ask you based on how you feel to release compassion and mercy and forbearance. No, it says it's mandatory in order for you to be forgiven. Think about the forbearance Jesus has when it comes to me. Max Licato says unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse. But the worst part of it all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that's left. We are called to show mercy to people who are far from God. Jesus, I want to say this about Jesus. And, you know, this really ministered to me. And, and this is going to minister to somebody today. Jesus connected before he corrected. Jesus established relationship before he chewed somebody out. You go, oh, let me think about that. No, read the Bible. Think about it. Think about it. What does Jesus do? He connects. And I'm going to give you an example. Zacchaeus was a thief, and he was, he was a known thief. He was known to the community as that. The first words out of Jesus' mouth was, hey, let's go to your house. Let's have lunch. Let's eat. He was connecting before he corrected. You know, without relationship, it's hard to correct somebody. It's difficult because the receiver of that correction is going to go, what? I don't even know. Who are you? What? Get out of my face. <laughs> Matthew 9, verse 10 to 11. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. There's that connecting right there and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, this is what Jesus said. It is not healthy. It is, I'm sorry. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For if I have not come to call the righteous, but I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this is what amazed me, and I want to wrap up here, and I, I really want you to pay attention to this because I believe this is for every person that's here. And I believe this is really going to minister to somebody this morning. I did a lot of research on who is the hardest person to forgive. Do you know who the hardest person statistically and according to a psychologist, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. It's hard to forgive me. You think about what's holding you back. Have you forgiven yourself of your shortcomings? I was shocked when I read that. I did not expect that. I expected somebody who betrayed me. I didn't expect that. Psalms 34, verse 4 to 8. This is David. He says this, and we know Psalms is like David's, like emotionally up and down and all over the place. But he says this. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that's too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of my heart. You may feel like you disappointed God himself, and how could I have done this? But if he forgave you, you got to forgive yourself. It's amazing that when we repent, we're forgiven. Don't forget about the first step. When we repent, we're forgiven. So we come into his gates, we repent. 
and then we're released. I want to say this, the disappointment, that disappointment, when I say this, you, that you may feel like you disappointed God himself. Disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. It's the difference between expectation and reality. First Timothy 1, 13 to 15, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. He is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I Everybody say, I, of whom I am the worst. So I want to pray this prayer over you today. And I want to pray for the person who's drowning in their own foolishness today that we can repent and receive mercy in Jesus' name. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're going, yeah, that's true. I haven't forgiven myself. Maybe you haven't checked off the list of all the goals that you wanted to accomplish and you're a person that's, you're an achiever and you're constantly driven and you're difficult and you're hard on yourself and you're disappointed with where you're at today. I want to encourage you with this. We need to release forgiveness. It starts with me so that I can forgive others. So Father, I just pray right now over every person that's here. Father, just say this out loud. Say, I forgive me. And I forgive others. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to just close every eye closed. And I want you to think of anybody that you've not released and you've not forgiven. And can we repent for unforgiveness this morning? Can we for repent for not releasing mercy and compassion and forbearance, letting it go? Jesus, I just ask for freedom over every person that's here in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I thank you that you're freeing us of the need for justice. For the unjust things that, that offend us, Father, we repent for that offense right now. And we thank you, Lord, that we can live free and we can live clear, knowing that when we give love and we give mercy and compassion and forbearance, Father, that we'll receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe that, would you shout amen? Listen, this was a simple message, but it was convicting to me to think about all of, I went through the list yesterday of anybody that I can think of, and I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me anybody that I, that I haven't forgiven or haven't let go. I want to ask you to go home this week and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you anybody that you haven't released, because you might not even know that you're holding on to something. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you who you need to release this week and watch the freedom that comes into your life and the joy that floods you. It's amazing. Can we do that? Father, we just thank you for your word this morning and we thank you, Lord, that your joy is our strength and we release that and we loose that in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you just shout amen all across this room? You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.